You are listening to Social Media Decoded, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners simplify social media and thrive online. We provide actionable information that you can use and see results. I'm your host, Michelle Thames, and let's get started. Today's guest is Jennifer Kai. She is head of commerce at social first marketing company, Go Spooky. Born and raised in LA as a first generation of Korean immigrants, Jennifer moved to Chicago to graduate with her BA in international studies at the University of Chicago. Before Jennifer's career really took off, she reached a pivoting point as a single As a digital native, she was triggered by the rise of social media back in 2008. Jennifer was one of the few who understood the unlimited potential of social media in its early age. From that day on, Jennifer was heading full speed into the digital space with unprecedented passion and determination to push the limits. She has supported brands to unlock the huge potential of social media in their customer journey. Resulting in 13 years of experience, a strong track record, Jennifer is fulfilled both strategic and leading roles on global digital digital accounts. During her tenure at Viacom CBS in Amsterdam, she successfully closed the first ever EMEAY deal for MTV content on Facebook Watch in 2019. With social commerce exploding in the past few years, it's time to raise the bar again As Ghost Spooky's head of commerce, Jennifer is leading a team of commerce specialists who help future-proof leading brands by building their commerce roadmap. In her role, she is reimagining social, combining social commerce with content creators and AR. So excited for this episode. You are listening to Social Media Decoded, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners simplify social media and thrive online. We provide actionable information that you can use and see results. I'm your host, Michelle Thames, and let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Social Media Decoded. And I am so excited because today we have a special guest joining us, Jennifer. And I am so excited because today we're talking all about social commerce and the roles that creators and content play in the community too, right? This is a podcast for entrepreneurs, social media experts, influencers, and creatives. So we are all about that here. So Jennifer, welcome to today's podcast. So excited to have you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, so I'm Jennifer Kai. A preference is to be called Jen, mostly because I feel like Jennifer, I'm being reprimanded by a teacher. Got it. Um, so my background is um, I worked both agency side as well as with brands. I've been in the social space now for um, 13 plus years. <laughs> so Woo-hoo! really dating myself on that one. Um, and I've had the opportunity to really be in different functions within social So whether it's community manager, editorial strategist, all the way through to managing a social media team, now going into, you know, the intersection of social and commerce, um, I think you yourself have seen just social media is an ecosystem unto itself. And you can really learn basically all the different functions of marketing within that, that, you know, space. So um, it's my pleasure to, to, you know, guest in this and, and just have a really lovely conversation with you. Yes, I'm so excited. So let's get 
right into today's first question that I want to ask you when it comes to what is what is social commerce? Because the listeners may not know what social commerce is. So if you can explain that and then also explain why it's important, but also why it's important to build community. Because I talk about community on this podcast a lot, and I really want to be able to tie this in so everybody has a really good understanding. Sounds good. So social commerce, in a nutshell, it's basically buying and selling goods or services directly on our social media platforms. And really, this shift is really important because consumer shopping behaviors are changing. What we know right now is that communities are such an integral part of the shopping experience because, let's face it, if you don't have an enthusiastic fan base, there isn't really a social aspect to this. It really does fall flat. So to give you an example, imagine if you're trying to do a live shopping experience or bridge you know, recommendations that are trending without a community. It's not possible. So while content is definitely the fuel for social commerce, because you know you can't sell if you don't have something visual or something arresting that people can see and reference and go, oh, I want to buy that. At the end of the day, community is the funding. This is how you make sure that you have people who are willing to get out their wallets so that they can buy the products that are being featured on the platforms. Yes. And, you know, I I love that you said that because community is key. And if you don't have a community, you don't have anything. Right. And I think that is really interesting to be able to, you know, how the consumer shopping behaviors are changing. I'm a person that likes to really get into the minds and the shopping behaviors of people because it's really interesting. Um, I come from a background working for a brand, a beauty brand. So it's just really interesting to be able to understand like how people want to shop and what they like. And it's just fascinating to me. It fascinates me me so much. Um, Let's talk about creators for a minute because I am an advocate for content creators and influencers. So how do creators play a role in social commerce? Because I'm sure they play a really huge role in all of this. They are, they are one of the most, you know, they're, they're a massive pillar in this space. And for a lot of brands, it's, it's sort of, it's an answer that's blunt, but to be honest with you, creators are either going to be your best ally, your best advocate, or they're going to be your worst competitor and enemy. Like there's just, there's no in-between with a competitor uh, or rather a creator. And the reason for that is that creators themselves have built-in communities. And just as we've talked about before, communities are the lifeblood of this. And since people connect with people, frankly, um, creators are kind of like built to succeed in this space. So Um, One way to think about how creators kind of do this is as the brand's biggest ally, think about how um, they're partnering directly with brands on collaborative projects and drops, or simply being the face of a brand. So creators are really powerful in giving these brands credibility, access to maybe um, untapped or not overlapping audiences. And ultimately, because they understand the space and they're always making content for it, invaluable content for uh, the specific platforms. So TikTok creators, whether you have, um, you know, Nikki makeup tutorials for, for brands, or if you have like, you know, up and coming chefs who are doing like different cooking tutorials, they will give you credibility if you're trying to get into specific spaces. However, as a competitor, so on the flip side, the dark side for a brand is that creators will often work with white label companies to launch their own products because for them, their thinking is, you know, why should I collaborate or do a drop with a brand when I can, you know, do my own thing because I have 15 million subscribers on YouTube or, you know, I have 
a 1.5 million following on TikTok. And that's valid because even if only 10, 5% of their audience converts, that's still a lot of money that's coming directly into their pockets versus a third party brand. So that's kind of how to think about the relationship between creators and, and brands, because as we continue into this space, I could see it changing. You know, you see a lot of shifting brand priorities. You see marketplaces on TikTok and Instagram that serve directly to creators. So how this will continue to change um, is to be seen. But right now the trend is, is that it is a creator's world and brands are just living in it. So it's, it's going to be a tough pill for a lot of these brands to swallow but if they want to go from a legacy brand to full relevance, or they want to be at a D2C brand that has immediate impact with community, oftentimes they're going to have to work with creators. There's just no way around it. Oh, absolutely. There's no way around it. You're going to have to work with creators. And I love how you said the drops. I think I like Amazon, how they do the Amazon, the drop, and they partner with fashion influencers to like create like craze on social media. And then like everything sells out. Like I know there's a a girl in Chicago, her name is Blake and she has a partnership with Amazon, the drop. And like the pieces are just like so amazing, but like she is helping Amazon to sell out of these pieces. Like she has a massive following. Her community is well engaged and will like do, you know, support her. So it's really great to see brands like that partnering with um, influencers like that to create that type of um, collaboration, because I think it's really cool. Like if I'm, you know, if I have some clothing and some, you know, people are buying it and they're aware sharing it, sharing it. So I, I love all of that. And I really like how you explained that I really am so passionate about creators because they work very hard and, you know, brands get the ability to tap into their communities and utilize that. And that's really important because their communities, you know, they know, like, and trust these influencers and creators. So I love how you broke that down. That was superb. I loved it. So one other thing I actually want to bring up that you yes. hit the nail on is also creators Five years ago, it was really easy to exploit creators. Brands could just kind of say like, we'll give you a free swag. You know, we'll, um, if you make X amount of content, uh, we'll feature you on our channels, just tag us. So there was a lot of free labor that was being done by creators simply because, you know, the creator economy, as it's called, wasn't as mature. So you had instances where you have these wonderful creators who, honestly make really fabulous videos or, you know, make really great pieces of art as, as it's dedicated to the brand, but all they would get, if you really think about like the amount of labor they put in plus the audience size versus, you know, the brand payout, which would often not even be monetary, it was a pittance. And now you're seeing that flip side again, where I think ultimately they're realizing that what we make has actual value and they can actually challenge brands to pay for it. So this is another threat that, you know, brands are slowly coming to the realization of, you know, the free gravy train is nearly over. It's petered out. And um, the idea that people will just do things for free for you just because they love you, unless the brand is so, so it's, you know, it's in the cool sphere and they're doing like really innovative things. Like the only brand I can really think of off the top of my head like that is probably, you know, Gymshark or Nike or, you know, things that people have actual love for, but those, those are rarefied brands. They're like the 1% it's really hard to break through and achieve that. So the other thing that brands have to think about when it comes to the creators is you got to pay them. It's not a budget anymore. 
Yep. Budget. I, thank you for bringing, thank you for bringing that up because yes, you have to pay creators. It, it is worth it. It's going to be worth it in the end. And yes, that free train is over. I myself have been a creator for going on 12 years. I've definitely done my fair share of free partnerships. But at this point in my career, I'm just not willing to barter services or, well, not barter services, but get something in return for free. And like you said, it depends. It depends on what the brand, what, if it's Nike, of course, like if I'm going to buy some shoes, of course, I, you know, would definitely rock Nike shoes. I definitely appreciate Nike, but Nike can also pay as well. So we have to think about that. We have to, you know, as creators listening to this, you have to value your work. It's important. These brands are going to make money off of your work and it is important for you to get paid. You are doing production. You are doing scripts. You are thinking of concepts in your head. All of that is your intellectual property. So I'm so glad you said that because we need to stand up for creators and they they need to be paid. So how do you, how do different platforms drive sales? So many different platforms, so many different places that we can be. And I know we were just talking about creators. So this ties into all of this. So how do creators help with driving sales on these different platforms? So ultimately, uh, I'll break the question down into two. The first part in terms of content, um, I know that in the past, I love the mug, by the way, in terms of like size versus ratio versus it's like, love it. Um, so in terms of the, the first part of the question with content in the past brands, simply because of production and resources and bandwidth would do in a one size fits all uh, approach where you have one piece of content, you would change the specs and basically publish it across every single platform, maybe, you know, five, 10, really seven years ago, it kind of worked because people, you know, the same audiences weren't necessarily on all the channels. And that is kind of the case still. But the fact of the matter is everything's now algorithm driven. So in terms of the algorithm, if the content doesn't fit the platform. So um, an example of this is uh, Instagram. Adam Masseri, the the person who's leading um, that platform basically stated, we are prioritizing videos. So if you only do stills, if you only do photos, your content will not have the same amount of reach as a reels or a live stream or, you know, an in-feed video post. Like that's the reality. So knowing that video is being heavily prioritized on the Instagram platform, it it it's a it's an incentive for you whether you're a brand or a creator to make sure that your medium is a video motion um, you know, type of content and that you're publishing it for Instagram. Same thing for TikTok. TikTok is purely video. (laughs) So you don't have a choice, but it's also like, I would say the difference between Instagram is that Instagram is still slightly on the glossier side of things. It's a bit more curated. And also the audience habit is to see it as almost like a magazine feed, thumb stopping content, whatever you call it. But in terms of TikTok, the actual video is going to be much more lo-fi It's also going to be purely about entertainment. So the first seconds, it has to be like the hook that garners and draws you back in. And, you know, if you see something like, I would say Twitter, it could also just be really clever copy. So it could be really funny, like, you know, one-liners that make people laugh or think and people want to retweet and share. So this is where I say like the content actually does matter by platform. So think about the behavior of how people you know, your own community, as you know, um, consumes the type of content, whether it's, um, I would say like video or if it's copy. And if you know that there's a push to uh, convert, it's also thinking of how do you 
utilize and leverage the different features of these platforms. Because that also, the algorithm gives you bonus points, if you will, if you um, integrate different features of the channels because they realize, oh, you know, this uh, post is using video, but it's also integrating our, um, you know, buy uh, button. And it's also including very short copy that fits our 25 character limit. So then it'll kind of give you extra bonus points and give you greater reach. So that's from a content perspective. From creators, the way to think about it is, um, again, creators are native to certain platforms. You know, you have specialists, you have um, YouTube creators like Mr. Beast, who I think his Squid Game remake got 125 million views in the first, you know, three, four days which is, if you think about it, that's insane because that's much more audience views than the Super Bowl. So you have these specialist creators who really understand not only the content that does really well on these platforms, but the kind of content that draws people in and most importantly, gets and retains their attention. So in terms of the creators and how they push uh, conversion is... If you either sponsor content and just get that logo there, think of the millions of reach that you have for that logo or that product placement with that creator that, you know, probably cost you a fraction of what you would pay for a Super Bowl ad. Like that's one way to think about it in terms of like, how does this help with conversion? How does this help with commerce? Another aspect is a lot of these creators can be affiliates. So they do help drive uh, traffic to your link. Um, whether they earn a percentage commission, but probably one of the easiest ways is often you have sponsored ambassadors. So if you are working with a creator who really believes in your brand and is on a programming where it's not a one-off, they're not being sponsored for one post, but you're actually creating a program that's you know three months, six months, or a full year, they be basically become the face of your brand. And because their audience, as you said, loves them, wants to support them, has been with them since the growth of their channel, um, they're much more likely to take out their wallet and go, well, you know, if creator X really supports this, then I really want to make sure that I, I, you know, give this person my money. And a really good example of that is like, I swear, beauty brands just nailed the creator market because Anytime there's a massive uh, collaboration, it almost always sells out. Um, and yeah, so I think that's that's kind of how the two roles of creator and content play in terms of converting. Yeah, I have to agree with the beauty the beauty industry on how they collaborate with influencers to sell out, to sell out their products. It's like don't let it be an Ulta or a Sephora or exclusive only to one place. Like people um, really love that, and like of course, like the influencers brand. They, I mean, the influencers community loves that. So that's in turn they're going to support and go and purchase those products. So that was such a great explanation. Um, I want to talk about trends because there's so many different trends. Instagram is always changing. All these other platforms are always changing. So can you talk about some social commerce trends that you've seen online? Or what do you think like are some predictions for 2022? Um, predictions, maybe not. It's more of a carryover. And I think we, we talked about this earlier, but it's a carryover of what's already happening right now, which is live streaming is just going to keep getting bigger. Um, you saw, for example, Walmart doing their live stream drop with Twitter. Um, you saw TikTok doing their own live shopping for the holidays that they've, they've been airing. 
Um, and I think Instagram also is integrating live shopping capabilities. You're also seeing that with YouTube and Twitch and blah, blah. So literally every major visual um, channel is integrating live streaming, live shopping in some way. And so that is just, it's unavoidable. People want to be entertained. So, you know, when you think of home shopping network back in the nineties and early two thousands, guess what, baby, it's coming back on and it's being remixed for social media. Um, what's old is new again. So that's, that's going to just keep growing because, um, and the way, the reason I say it's going to grow is that if you look at the trend in China, uh, live streaming, so social commerce itself is a, I think right now it's more than I'm going to shoot myself in the foot with the wrong stat, but it's definitely more than a hundred billion dollars <laughs> in sales for social commerce. The way to think about social commerce and how much yuan they uh, convert for China and the apps, a third of that comes from live streaming. So right now in the Western markets, whether it's UK or the Netherlands or the US or Canada, um, the way to think about it is right now, live streaming for social commerce doesn't make up a third, but that just means, and it signals that there's a lot of room to grow. So you can definitely expect this to continue exploding for next year. And you're going to see a lot more brands do this probably on a monthly, if not monthly, and it's not possible, definitely on a quarterly basis for different drops and different sales. So that's one of the trends that you'll definitely see grow next year. And the other one is more and more, you're going to see creators really go ham with their own brand. Um, we've seen that right now with Mr. Beast. We've seen that, um, you know, TikTok made me buy it is such a great example of creators pushing their own merch. And the evolution of this, um, a good example of that I would say is Graham Stephan. Um, he started off only doing real estate YouTube videos. Then he went into evolving his space to talk more about finance. And eventually he's now dropping tutorial courses, digital courses, um, you know, private groups that you can join, membership clubs. So you're going to see a lot more creators basically create a moat and their own gated gardens so that they're owning the community experience. So expect that. And I don't want to get into the buzzwords, but honestly, this is what's pushing it is with NFTs <laughs> and Web3 you're going to definitely see um, both brands and creators try to own and carve out their own space of a platform because their understanding, and it goes back way to the first part of our conversation, which is community. They're understanding the power of community. They're understanding that it actually converts, that there is social currency and you can measure that social currency. And one of the ways that they're going to do this next year is they're going to get into the metaverse. They're going to drop a whole bunch of NFTs and they're going to probably create roadmaps and programming experiences tied to it so that people have a full digital and offline experience. So I would say those are the three ones that I wouldn't say are predictions because you can see the writing on the wall, but um, for sure, those are the ones that everyone should keep their eyes peeled for. And absolutely. The the shopping. Oh, my goodness. I saw a brand do that for Black Friday. The girl was doing a tutorial, doing her hair. And as she was doing her hair, she was talking about the product. The product popped up on the screen. You could even see when it's somebody said, oh, somebody put it in the cart. Oh, somebody purchased it. So other people can see that on the screen. So if you're not with this Instagram shopping, it is going the it's giving the HSN vibe. But people want to see that like they want to feel like a part of that. Like they're like, oh, she bought it. I'm going to buy it too. for my wallet. That is what it is. 
So it's going to be like that. So I'm I'm so excited you said that. And I agree with the communities, creators being able to control their own community because I definitely do the same thing. I have a membership program. I have a private Facebook community. I have several private Facebook communities. And that is really important to be able to have those communities outside of like, Instagram. Although I love Instagram, we need to go outside of Instagram. So our email list and create even other communities and things like that. Like you said, that we can control ourselves because it is going to be about creators pushing their own brand. I know that that's the type of person that I am. I always want to continue to push my brand. I know that I also have clients, which they're important too. But if I don't continue to push my brand, if we don't continue to push our businesses forward, then it's going to fall to the wayside because we're not going to get any clients. So we have to continue to push our own things and have our own community. So I'm so happy that you said that. Um, And I want to talk about some do's and don'ts because there are so many do's and so many don'ts that I see online. But just talk about some do's and don'ts that you might come across when you um, and when it comes to social commerce and that you see people doing the wrong or the right way or if there is even a wrong or a right way. Um, You know, to start with the do's. at the end of the day, make everything about entertainment and or education first, because the whole point of social uh, media or rather, you know, commerce, you don't just tell a person like, you know, buy this, you kind of wine and dine them and you hook, hook the audience before expecting any commerce to kind of come into play. So I think making sure that the content is first geared to add value to the consumer, you hear this across the board. And I almost feel like the advice that, you know, LinkedIn, Gary V, yourself also on your podcast, a whole bunch of creators are telling um, other creators as well as brands of provide value so that you bring in people who resonate with the message you're sending. And then if you bring them, them in, that's where you create the community and the trust. And eventually they will want to support you and, and bring out their wallets. So. That's a, a natural progression, but you've seen, I've seen um, so many brands kind of just go, yeah, 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 and then completely miss that and just go straight into how do we make this ad work? And it's like, dude, your ad and considering how much money you spend in paid media is meaningless if you haven't built out the earned and organic reach. So um, the other thing that I missed was definitely organic is coming back. We've seen the pendulum shift so much towards paid media. And yes, everything's algorithm driven. So of course, you know, you want to highlight, um, you know, different paid media strategies, but the do of this is tying back to organic, you know, do the things that maintain engagement that make people want to come back to your brand. Uh, Make sure that you're actually engaging with your audience so that they are intrigued enough to stick with you. Because guess what? This is a super saturated space. There are so many brands out there. And some brands are just better at having clever copy, really engaged community managers and moderators who try to create a safe space where people feel like they can have full-on conversations. And, you know, they stamp out bullying. If you don't pay attention and if you don't water your garden, then, you know, everything dies. That's just how it works. So in terms of the do's, I think those were the two biggest ones. So, you know, make sure it's entertainment education first and interactivity is everything. Social commerce isn't passive consumption. So feed your audience, maintain your community and make sure they feel safe enough to want to continue being part of your brand's um, forum or public space. So that's the do. The don't, um, I think I also kind of 
touched on it, which is selling the first date. You need to wait. <laughs> like, um, you need to wait. You need to add value, and you really need to gauge what it is that the community is looking for um, before you know trying to ask them, like, "Hey, do you do you want to do this, or are you interested in this?" Because ultimately, your community will shock you with what solutions they're actually looking for, and it'll help you define you know your brand positioning or the products that eventually you'll go into full commerce for. Um, the other one is. Don't assume your audience is not savvy. Uh, the reason I say that is um, an example of this is at Go Spooky. We did a test um, to understand. And in the Netherlands, mind you, we don't have like the, the one-click checkout, seamless commerce integration that the US and the UK get to enjoy on TikTok. So um, we've seen firsthand that if people want something badly enough, they will actually leave the plot platform and look to purchase that product. So we did a local activation with uh, Pockies, which is a boxer brief brand with pockets. <laughs> and um, what we ended up doing was a live stream entertainment uh, where every interaction basically helped drive down the price. And I think the whole experience was about an hour long. And what we noticed is that in terms of you know overall uh, engagement, we had, um, I think, double the conversion of the usual exclusive drops for Pockies. So Pockies usually would get, you know, a certain percentage. This activation through the live uh, streaming live shopping event generated almost 200% traffic to the site. And mind you, the site wasn't even connected on TikTok. So the fact that people took the extra effort for an asynchronous experience kind of tells you um, that if people want it badly enough, they'll make it work. So I think that's kind of one example of don't assume your audience doesn't care or doesn't know how to navigate the space. They're actually a lot more clever and they're a lot more digital first than I think a lot of brands um, give communities and social users credit for. Oh my goodness. Those were, those were such some great do's and don'ts. Um, I don't even have anything to add because it's like you covered everything, but definitely um, I agree with everything, especially, you know, People are savvy. They know how to click, but you do still want to make the experience easy, but they do know how to do things. I think we forget that, like, of course, they know how to check out, but we do want to make the process easy, easier for them. I know when we were talking before we got on the podcast, we we're talking about going viral and people go viral and you don't have anything in place. You don't have the website, like nothing's together. Then that's when it's not a good idea. But when you have those things in place, then of course you can go viral, but just don't forget that your community, they do know how to click on things. They do know these things, so, but just make it as easy as possible for them. I think that's the most important thing because people want quick. They don't want anything to take too long. It's we're, we're living in a, a quick, fast. We want, you know, everything to be easy for us community. So thank you for that. This has been such a great episode and I am so excited that we got the opportunity to speak to you today. And in closing, will you please let the amazing community know where we can find you and about your amazing business? I know you mentioned it, but let us know a little bit more about that and where we can find you and how we can connect with you online. Absolutely. So Go Spooky, we are a independent uh, digital, I would say company, not agency. So we are about a hundred creators strong. And we work within the AR, social media, and now Web3 space. So we are there in the digital frontier. And we work with both global and local brands. 
And you can find us at ghostspooky.com. Um, ghost spooky, G-O-S-P-O-O-K-Y. I know spooky ghost. And uh, we have presence on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, across just about a TikTok as well. So please connect with us. Um, we're always there to help uh, support interest within the space. And we'd love to talk to people who want to grow their presence on digital. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining today. I hope that the listeners took some notes. There were some amazing gems dropped in this episode. And if you picked up any gems and you want to share them, make sure you tag me on social media at Michelle L. Thames, share it in your stories. And I'll make sure to reshare your stories because we always love sharing the valuable and amazing information that is shared on social media. Be told it. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us today. If you love this episode, make sure that you take a few moments to leave us a rating and review. Every rating and review helps to help social media decoded reach more people. And I want to thank you all for tuning into today's episode and I will catch you all in the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Social Media Decoded Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you got some gems. If you got some gems, make sure to tag me on Instagram at Michelle L. Thames and share those gems with me. I cannot wait to talk to you all in the next one.